lecture four part two of the groundwork of the christian virtues by william bernard ullathorne this librivox recording is in the public domain lecture four on the nature of humility part two the definition to which we may give the third place is that in which humility is considered as the temperance of the soul refraining from and denying herself to the adversaries of this virtue these adversaries are self-love pride vanity and vainglory for although inordinate self-love is opposed to charity in another way it is opposed to humility self-love is opposed to humility as it is the origin of pride of vanity and vainglory for if we were perfectly subject to god in mind sense and will we should have no inordinate self-love the temperance of the soul is a spiritual temperance refraining from those inordinate appetites that spring directly from self-love and this temperance is chiefly concerned with humility and meekness with humility as it refrains from pride and vanity and with meekness as it refrains from anger for this reason st thomas considers humility as potentially belonging to the virtue of temperance and declares it to be nothing else but a certain moderation of spirit for although humility is caused by the reverential fear of god this does not hinder it from being a part of modesty or temperance the learned and devout suarez takes the same view he says that although humility inclines us to be subject to god yet properly and of itself it is not inclined to another but moderates our affection for our own greatness and in this way holds us subject to god and to whatever partakes of the excellence of god st thomas therefore defines humility to be the virtue which tempers and withholds the soul from tending immoderately towards high things as opposed to the morbid appetite of pride or to the contemptible appetite of vanity humility is the spirit's modesty the soul's sobriety the vices to which it is opposed are the impurities of our spiritual nature defiling the soul with their falsehood disordering the will with their injustice blinding the understanding deceiving the heart making us contemptible and even ridiculous before god and his angels and even before men who does not remember the withering words of the almighty when adam sought to be as a god behold adam hath become as one of us knowing good and evil pride alone is hateful to god and every other vice is hateful for the pride that is in it for pride is the malignant element in every vice the malice which rises against god in every act of injustice humility therefore may be truly called the purity and modesty of the soul that combats every tendency to false elation every inclination to make oneself what one is not every movement to claim for us 
what is not one's own every disposition to rise above our true and just position in the sight of god and to combat these unjust inclinations by withholding the will from the false appetite we tend to true greatness by subjecting ourselves to god because subjection is the essential condition of union with god and this subjection is the only thing that the creature contributes towards that union the more we are subject to god the nearer we are to him he is infinitely above us but by this very subjection we ascend to him and find in him whatever is truly great but the elation of pride is a tendency to great things that are neither according to god nor to truth but the productions of our fancy and the inventions of our conceit and to this humility is opposed the temperance of humility combats the intemperance of pride in the way in which modesty combats immodesty it combats by withholding the mind the sense and the will it combats by refraining the mind from the evil suggestion or imagination by keeping the spiritual sense above the movement of the appetite and the will from consent it combats by turning the mind to some nobler object more worthy of the soul and especially by subjecting the soul with greater humility to god and even to our neighbour for god's sake in a word humility effectively combats pride by withholding the will on every side and giving it some better entertainment nor is it amiss where temptation is urgent to remember the fact that the devil is behind every suggestion of pride as well as every instigation to impurity but there is no more decisive way of preserving the soul from attacks of pride than to do some act of humility towards another in god's sight and for god's sake the pelagian heresy gave rise to another definition of humility which we shall put in the fourth place as this pestilent heresy took away the foundation of the virtue by denying the grace of god humility was defined to be the confession of the grace of god the spirit of this heresy fills the world's literature inspires the world's policy and animates the world's votaries the world deifies the human intellect and the human will self-perfectibility on the basis of self-sufficiency is the shallow doctrine of the world in the west as it is the religious doctrine of the buddhists in the east many again are they who would shrink from pelagianism as a doctrine yet are little better than pelagians in their practice they reject not the existence of grace but they care not to have grace they object not to the principle of humility but are not concerned about having humility they are far from denying that man is dependent on god but they prefer to depend on themselves in the celebrated letter to demetriades after defining humility as consisting in our subjection to god in all things 
the author observes that it cannot exist without the grace of god and from this point of view he tells us that it consists in the confession of the grace of god as the grace of god is both the cause and inherent principle of the virtue this confession not of the lips but of the heart implies the submission of the will to the grace of god and the dependence of the soul on the divine help and it cannot be omitted from any complete account of humility it has therefore been adopted as a partial definition by many devout writers since the fifth century the exposition with which the author follows the definition is so just and beautiful that we shall here give it in substance though much abridged humility consists in the confession of the grace of god we must therefore confess the grace of god in all its reality and integrity for it is the first office of grace to make us sensible of the help which it gives us and hence the apostle says we have not received the spirit of the world but the spirit which is of god that we may know the things that are given us from god one corinthians chapter two verse twelve should any one imagine that he has some good that god has not given him but of which he is himself the author that one has not the spirit of god but the spirit of the world he is puffed up with that wisdom of which the lord says i will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the prudence of the prudent i will reject one corinthians chapter one verse nineteen of these wise ones the apostle says when they have known god they have not glorified him as god or given thanks but have become vain in their thoughts and their foolish heart is darkened romans chapter one verse twenty one mark well the retribution of the proud and how they receive their reward even when they gain the knowledge of truth they ascribe it to themselves and glory in their native genius as if what they knew came not from god was not his gift but some production of their own intellectual faculties when the elements of the world and those creatures of kind so many and varied are present to our sight they reveal to us the invisible things of god they speak as a master speaks and as the scriptures speak but whatever good passes through the eyes into the field of the heart it can never take root or be fruitful there unless the divine husbandman gives the force of his influence to bring what he has planted to perfection for whether it be the creature or the truths of faith that we contemplate it is not he who planteth or he who watereth but god who giveth the increase one corinthians chapter three verse seven they who strive in their own strength take off their hope from the lord and set that hope upon themselves and in them the words of the prophet are fulfilled accursed is the man who sets his hope in man and strengthens the arm of his flesh his heart hath departed from the lord jeremiah chapter seventeen verse five 
pride is justly called avarice in the scriptures as well for both these vices are excesses beyond all right and justice the proud hoard up the things that belong to others as well as the avaricious and are reckless as to whose claims they violate looking upon all things as if they came from their own fountain this comes of perversely appropriating god's gifts and forgetting who it is that gave them had god given nothing to their rational nature which is sublime or beautiful they would never have had anything upon which to extol themselves but their pride takes possession of what is god's as the devil does of whom our lord says when he speaketh a lie he speaketh of his own st john chapter eight verse forty four solomon shows the source of our knowledge when he says in the proverb the lord giveth wisdom and out of his mouth cometh prudence and knowledge proverbs chapter two verse six and st john says we know that the son of god is come and hath given us understanding that we may know the true god and be in his son one john chapter five verse twenty if then we are able to direct the attention of our soul to what is right and to what is good for us that comes from the inspiration of god and from his eternal and immutable will st paul therefore says work out your salvation in fear and trembling for it is god who worketh in you both to will and to accomplish according to his good will philippians chapter two verses twelve and thirteen the reason why we cannot discover humility in the conduct of worldly wise people is because this virtue subjects us in all things to god it is only so long as we place the care and perfection of our actions in god rather than in ourselves that we lose not the merit of them what can be so just or so becoming as that the image of god should shine towards god and derive its grace and beauty from him this is the light of his countenance sealed upon us that soul is adulterous and utterly incapable of union with god that holds to the mirror of her heart any beauty which is not from god's beauty or accepts for her adornment any jewel which comes not from the treasury of the holy spirit that you demetriades find yourself capable of preferring christ to your family and fortune is a grace you can never ascribe to yourself for he is the true humility the true charity and the true chastity and the spirit that is truly free is the spirit purified from every contamination and that loves nothing in herself or her neighbor but what comes from god when the tempter fails to win certain souls to unlawful deeds because they have a high and noble spirit he often effects his purpose by some delusive delight in themselves and after they are lifted up he may throw them down as from a precipice for from the moment we cease to confess the help of divine grace we set up ourselves on our own merits 
this pride is of the worst kind with more folly than in other ways of elation for if whilst we are struck down we still call on our redeemer for help he will make it easy for us to rise again but for this ruin there is no remedy it is very difficult for a proud man to become conscious of his sin and if he becomes a little conscious it is not to his physician that he goes for the remedy no cure can come of it because he looks to his disease for his medicine enter then into the forecourt of your soul which is your mind and pass into the chamber of your heart look round there and see if you have anything that is good useful ornamental or resplendent that is not the gift of god or of which he is not the author even the good of prayer is his gift but whatever the gift or whatever the increase through your labors remember that he who gave the gift gives the increase let then the holy spirit fill his organ which is your soul and let his finger touch his lyre which is your heart as it is of the nature of humility to confess the grace of god and to acknowledge his gifts it follows of course that it can be no part of humility to deny his gifts or to conceal them from our sight yet st francis of sales had to reason against this error as well as st teresa lancisius found a learned religious superior so wedded to this misconception that he was led to write a special dissertation to prove the contrary as well from the sacred scriptures as from the fathers and saints of every age the mistake arises from confounding the gifts of god with our own merits which should certainly not be the subject of our reflections or it may arise from the fear that we should appropriate to ourselves the blessings that god in his infinite goodness bestows on us or this misapprehension may take its rise from the vague and confused notion that somehow or other it is contrary to humility to think that god has done us favors but it is from no knowledge of god's goodness to us that the danger of elation arises that comes from overlooking this truth and from ascribing the good to oneself which god has given us in his generosity nothing can be more contrary to simplicity and rectitude of heart than to play at hide-and-seek with the mercies and graces of god and few things are more opposite to the genuine interests of humility whose very nature belongs to truth and sincerity our great protection against becoming elated over any good we receive will be found in the habit of seeing that good in the hands of god and in constantly ascribing it to him still with the fear lest through our neglecting that good god should take it from us and give it to the more deserving to conceal from our heart how good god is to us is so far from fostering the sense of our unworthiness that what most proves our unworthiness and puts us to shame is his great goodness to us our danger is not from truth but from falsehood 
not from the sight of god's divine gifts but from taking them for our own merits the best protection against this is to live ever in god's presence and to see and know how good he is to a creature so unworthy how are such virtues as hope charity trust in god and gratitude to thrive with us if we are not to think on the bounties and favours that our good god bestows on us gratitude is scarce because sincere humility is rare the want of gratitude in proud hearts is proverbial in the mouth of the human race but a great gift fills the humble with confusion as well as gratitude because it awakens in them the sense of their unworthiness that is an admirable sentence of st theodore the studite our most clement god is so free and bountiful of his gifts that there is danger that through our ignorance of what he does for us we should do an injury to his goodness the first office of the grace of god is to make us sensible of the giver this st paul has taught us we have received the spirit which is of god that we may know the things that are given us from god from this text st thomas concludes that not only do those who partake of god's gifts know what they have received but that without prejudice to humility they may prefer their own gifts to those that another may appear to have received doubtless because they have internal proof of their own gift and only external proof of another's and because the gift teaches them what is best for their good the more thou knowest the gifts of god says st augustine the more blessed thou art in those gifts yea thou art not otherwise blessed except that in having those gifts thou knowest from whom thou hast received them st bernard counts it among the impediments of grace and the effects of tepidity when we are less conscious of the good that god gives us and he takes the failure of this knowledge for a sign of indevotion and ingratitude the celebrated father lainez the disciple and successor of st ignatius wrote these remarkable words i do not think it can be pleasing to god that humility should put an impediment to the knowledge of his gifts this would be the effect of pusillanimity rather than of true humility the knowledge of the divine help and the confidence which it inspires are the foundation of that christian magnanimity which gives us courage to undertake the most arduous works because god wills them they are intimately connected with humility of heart which is conscious that power is perfected in the midst of infirmity blind and deceptive is the world's spirit perverting every good gift of god to self-aggrandizement and forgetting its divine author but secure is the light of the holy spirit who teaches us the knowledge of his gifts the knowledge that proceeds from the holy spirit must be useful must be needful for unless we know these gifts how shall we love the giver of them how shall we show our gratitude for them 
how shall we keep them with due diligence how shall we employ them in his honour who has the right to their service how shall we breathe our confidence in that divine support which carries us through the time of affliction or of mental desolation and upholds us in our arduous duties how in short are we to know god in his gifts we cannot have these advantages unless we know the spiritual good we have received for as the wise man says in ecclesiasticus wisdom that is hidden and the treasure that is not seen what profit it there in them both ecclesiasticus chapter twenty verse thirty two but whoever would see this subject treated with the rich fullness of profound intuition should read what saint teresa has written upon it in the tenth chapter of her life the point to be guarded against is the claiming for our own what we really do not possess which is less likely to happen if we habitually ascribe all the good we have to god the other point to be guarded against is the claiming of more virtue than we really have imagining we have the solid virtues of which we read or of which we think although as yet we may scarcely have been touched with the true nature of mortification humility and inward patience nor is this confusing of imagination with fact and of sensibility with truth always limited to beginners we must therefore judge our gifts with great moderation never compare them with another's to our own advantage or lose sight of the merciful and loving hand from which they come the true tests by which to judge of the presence of the greater gifts and of our good use of them are these first if they increase our sense of the presence of god secondly if they deepen our sense of the responsibility they bring with them thirdly if they bring us into a profounder sense of our own unworthiness for the higher gifts search the soul more deeply and give cause for greater humility which is the measure of our response to them the greater thou art the more humble thyself in all things st paul compares the man of grace to a frail vessel carrying a great treasure who cannot but tremble at the disproportion between the greatness of the treasure and the frailty to which it is entrusted there is another consideration of great moment the greater the habitual gifts received the greater must be the actual graces given at each moment to secure their exercise and turn them to account in these actual graces lies the secret of our power to cooperate with the special gifts of god and the secret of securing this actual grace is in the exercise of humility and prayer for the more constant these exercises are the more abundantly will those graces flow an eminent master of the interior life has put the question whether a soul may sometimes review her progress without injury to humility and he replies that this may be done when it pleases god 
to give that soul a singular light showing the change he has wrought in her giving her grace as well as light to feel and know that it is not her work but the work of god whereby she is led to confess the change which god has accomplished in her with a deep sense of humility gratitude and love and is at the same time animated with a filial fear and dread of offending the divine goodness in such a case of special light and grace there is wonder at the contrast between her present and her former state rising into a sense of god's goodness to a creature so unworthy and incapable and the soul clearly sees her native nothingness we come in the fifth place to the well-known definition of saint bernard which proves its practical value by its wide acceptance as well by devout writers as among the faithful humility he says is the virtue by which from the truest knowledge of himself a man becomes vile in his own eyes this is a definition on the side of self-knowledge as humility is the foundation of all the virtues self-knowledge is the foundation of humility st lawrence justinian emphatically insists that self-knowledge is both the ground of its existence and the condition of its growth and progress from which he concludes with st bernard that without self-knowledge it is impossible to be saved how can a man have the fear of god if he knows not why he should fear how can he have contrition of heart to break up and dissolve the state of sin if he knows not why he should be contrite how can he have compunction if the arrows of divine justice have not pierced his soul with indignation how can he be humble if he knows not why he should be ashamed he who is ignorant of himself is most certainly ignorant of god for it is by one and the same light imparted to us that we know god and know ourselves and it is by entering into ourselves that we find the light that gives us the knowledge of god that is the reason why we say of one returning to god that he has entered into himself the whole difference between the godly and the ungodly is that the one lives inside and the other outside himself but if the man who is ignorant of himself is ignorant of god the grace of god is also ignorant of him in how many places of holy scripture does the almighty say that he knows this or that one but not in mercy when adam hid himself among the trees the lord god called to him adam where art thou he asked not where he was hidden but recalled him to himself and so to his creator of the israelites prevaricating in the desert the almighty said these men always err in their hearts and they have not known my ways psalm ninety four verses ten and eleven ignorant of the ways of their own heart they were ignorant of the ways of god who swore in his wrath that they should not enter into his rest 
the foolish virgins slumbered and their lamps the lights of their souls were neglected and coming to the banquet after the doors were closed the bridegroom answered from within amen i say to you i know you not st matthew chapter twenty five verse twelve how wonderful the god who knows all knows not them who know not themselves he knows their sin but not their pardon knowledge puffeth up but not the knowledge of oneself this knowledge is the sure remedy against every sort of pride it rectifies every kind of knowledge because it puts us in the just point of view for understanding every truth and detecting every error but without the knowledge of oneself we can neither understand one single thing correctly nor bear oneself towards any one as it properly becomes us to do i would have a man says st bernard to know himself above all things reason and order and utility demand this of him the right order is to start from oneself and to know what we are this knowledge is so useful because instead of inflating it humbles us and prepares us for being spiritually built up for without a solid foundation of humility the spiritual building will never stand the soul will find nothing so quick and decisive to humble her as to know what she really is only she must dissemble nothing must have no guile in her spirit must set herself plainly before her eyes must allow of no cheating nor be frightened away from seeing clean through herself whatever pain this may bring her as she looks into herself with the clear truth she will find herself in a region of unlikeness will sigh over the miseries she is sure to discover and will be disposed to cry to god like the prophet thou hast humbled me in thy truth psalm one hundred eighteen verse seventy five how can she be otherwise than humbled when she finds the load of her sins the oppression of her mortal body the earthly cares that entangle her the carnal desires that stain and enfeeble her soul she will find herself perplexed with error exposed to danger disturbed with fear encompassed with difficulties teased with suspicion grieved with trouble inclined to some vice that she condemns and helpless to practise the virtue she approves how then can she lift up her eyes with self-reliance and her head with pride will she not rather turn in anguish whilst the thorn is fastened will she not turn to tears be converted to weeping and return to the lord and in a humbled spirit cry to him heal thou my soul for i have sinned against thee psalm forty verse five and after turning to god he will console her because he is the father of mercies and the god of consolation end of lecture four part two